0: Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the 1099 for the week of February 5th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renodin, and with me today is the CEO and co-founder of Kind of Funny, the former face of IGN, a host to more live shows and podcasts than I can count, and the foremost expert on exotic Oreos, Greg Miller. Greg, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Josiah. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's,
0: I mean, before we get into anything at all, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but you just got back from a Canadian adventure with your wife. I did. You were traveling all over the place. You got to eat poutine, I assume. A lot of poutine. Too much. You have a lot of highlights.
1: Oh yeah, it was a great time. I think the low light was when I got back on the bike to ride into work uh, on Monday (laughs) and that's when it really struck me that yeah, I've been eating poutine an entire week without doing any exercise whatsoever. Uh, No, uh, yeah, we were up in Quebec for an entire week. Finally got to take her back home and go to Montreal her small town and then up to Quebec City. It was it was lovely. I met Bonhomme Carnival who's their like giant Christmas. uh, Well, not Christmas. I guess their giant like winter mascot. It was amazing. Mm. It was great.
0: Did you have like one of those slow motion beach running scenes when you got back to Portillo? Like, was there this moment of just like, oh, my God, we need to hug?
1: Yeah. Yes and no. in, In my head, of course. Yeah. Like Joey Noel was nice enough to stay at home, take care of him. And I thought about asking her to stay late, open the door and then have him run down our long hallway to me. But then Jen was sick, so it was like, uh, Joey just wanted to go home. It was like uh, So then we got there, and then when you let Portilla out of the cage, you can't baby talk him right away because he might pee. So we just like, <laughs> got there, and he just like runs around all excited, and then I took him outside and then got to hug him and embrace him. I think last night was our first night of like normalcy again with him.
0: Yeah, well, as long as you get the hug in and there's no peeing on you involved, I think it's, it's successful. I, if I had any- a nickel, though.
1: <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time that dog's peed on me.
0: <laughs> uh, When everyone thinks of Canada, it's always exactly what I said before. Poutine or like, oh, universal health care. Everyone's yeah. nice. Was there anything that took you by surprise? Or maybe you didn't expect that was really rad about it?
1: Well, I've been up to Canada a bunch now, obviously, for Jen, my wife, being from there. Uh, This is my first time going to Quebec City. And, like, I've been told, you know, leading up to it that it's a very European city. It's, you know, the oldest city in North America or whatever. And to get there and have heard that, sure, but then to walk, like, the very small cobblestone streets kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, where everything's on top of each other and it's, like, really quaint and, you know, adorable looking. That was, like, unexpected and awesome.
0: And extremely cold? Like, was it snowing all over the place? Oh, yeah.
1: It was cold. It wasn't extremely cold. We dodged that bullet, thank goodness. It was was cold. It was winter for sure, but it wasn't like we were going to die.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, It's funny. I know all this stuff about you, about this vacation you were just on, your dog, your wife, which is weird because this is the first time we've ever talked and we've never met in person. But Mm -hmm. that has to be this bizarre side effects of the life you live. I mean, there are thousands of people online who have followed you and made you a part of their daily lives since they were in junior high, not to make you feel old at all, but...
1: You know, trust me, it happens all the time.
0: (laughs) I I, When I was in that Reddit thread looking up different questions that people had for you, that was one that really stuck out of people who have kind of had this one-sided relationship with you, which is new for the internet era, where I know for Giant Bomb, when I first talked to Jeff Gerstmann, like you, you have that moment of like, I feel like this person's my friend, but he has no idea who I am, so it's almost creepy. Is it weird having that side of your life where you might go to a PAX or an E3 and these people are seeing you and they feel like they know you, but you haven't had the opportunity to get to know them? It's not a one-way street, but semi-one-way street.
1: It's not now but in the beginning it was, but not for the reasons you think it was what I found interesting, by the way, there's an ambulance of course going by. So you are getting the full full kind of funny experience of us recording in our (laughs) studio and it's too hot today. So the windows are open. Uh, No, early on in my career when I was doing game scoop and then probably had just started beyond and we were getting our legs under us with both those or I was getting my legs under me with those shows. um, I remember you started meeting fans and what would happen inevitably would be it would be like, Oh, hey, I see you on IGN all the time. I'm a huge fan. Oh man, I'm Greg. That's awesome. Thank you so much. What's your name? Oh, it's it's Ted. Great, Ted. And then we'd sit there in this awkward silence. (laughs) And that went on for quite a while until there was one, I don't know, PAX meet and greet or some meet and greet where I'd had enough beer where I was like, you know what, I'm gonna say something. So like it got to that awkward moment and I reached out and grabbed the guy by the shoulder and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, what are you sorry for? And I'm like, I, I'm not living up to your expectations of me. This happens all the time. I meet someone. I say hi. I get there. And then we just sit here. and all, I, I'm not what you thought. And the guy stopped me. and He's like, it's not that at all. It's that I can't believe I'm talking to you. It's that our relationship is I put you on on my car rides to work or when I'm taking my kid to school or when I'm you know watching something or ignoring this, that, the other. I put it on and you talk at me. So for me to actually be here, I'm not sure how to talk to you. And that that was a turning point in my life and career where I was like, oh, I get it. And so now it is that thing of like, all right, cool. What's your name, blank Bob? Well, I, I usually get hopefully I get the name right away, right? But it's like hmm. I get in there very much and like if there's ever a low. all right, what are you playing? Oh, what did you think? You know, what I mean, like we all like I, we you know when we left and started kind of funny, I you know pushed for the calling everybody uh, best friends. And it's because I had said it for years, obviously, on GameScoop and beyond, right? That if you're watching this, you're my best friend. You know more about me than my best friend, Poe, my parents. Like, we have all these, you know, you meet these people, and I I download them with information every six months for Poe. You know, me and my parents have phone calls that are about the weather, you know, all all the boring stuff, you know, the (laughs) side, you know, throwaway conversations. But when you listen to Game Scoop and I open up about my divorce, when you listen to me on beyond or kind of funny or whatever, you're getting what I think, especially now, right, with kind of funny games daily and all these different shows we do, you're getting me in the moment as I live my life, let alone with Instagram or Twitter and all these different things. So I think in the early goings I didn't know. I didn't expect that, right? I always said the two things I didn't expect with the job were the travel and the fame. And I didn't necessarily understand what I was getting into because for me, I wrote reviews and talk on podcasts and talk to you with the same idea I always had, which is that I'm your best friend on the couch downstairs in my basement telling you about a video game. And so, luckily, especially with kind of funny and us saying best friends and saying we don't want trolls and we don't want assholes in the group, mm. it's been self-fulfilling it's been it's it's it takes care of itself in terms of bringing in good people who have so much in common already where when i do meet someone even though i don't know you i know you you know what i mean i know that you probably play console games you probably play playstation games you might care about trophies you might think i'm stupid for it you might you know be somebody who didn't like playstation at all but got involved through this you might have never you only you're you know you're there because you ran into an oreo video i did like it's Everybody's diverse, and sure, I don't know your personal struggles and your personal triumphs. I know the broad strokes enough that when we get there, we're there together. And I, I always say, you know, in terms of when people think the best friend thing is bullshit or it's marketing or we don't really feel that way, what I always counter with is the fact that when we started Kind of Funny's Patreon, we put up there that if you paid a certain amount of money, you got to come be on the show and we and we'd take you to dinner. But we filmed the show at my house like I the door to my home was open and Colin's home for that matter was open to anybody who wanted to invest that much money. That's how much we trusted all of you and still do trust all the best friends. And it is that thing of I've never had it go the wrong way. I've never met a best friend or somebody who listens to our content and been like, wow, you're an asshole. Like you're a complete (laughs) prick. Like who would ever want to hang out? It's like, oh, I get it. Like maybe we're not, you know, completely simpatico. Maybe we have different beliefs on this, that or the other, but it's never been like, I can't wait to get away from this person.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it seems like a lot of your community is positive because of that, because you leave yourself open like that. But I remember talking to Nick Scarpino on this podcast where just the risks of starting something like kind of funny, not just of leaving IGN, but going on something like Patreon and being like, I hope this works. But for you personally, you you did build up this this credibility with the gaming community over this time at IGN. When you actually sat there and pressed the button to say like, all right, we're opening this up. Was it nerve wracking in terms of feeling like this was actually an evaluation of you maybe as a person, that that dollar amount, of course, you're not expecting these massive numbers. You never know what you're going to get. But was that difficult for you to gamble with and be like, if this is like $5,000, I'm going to feel like, man, like what did all this build up to?
1: what i always say is when we were getting ready to leave and we were you know people obviously ign knew we were going and so like we hung out longer in december than most people did because we didn't want to burn the vacation days we wanted to leave with as much vacation time as we could uh people were saying goodbye to us I'm like all right and they'd always ask are you nervous and i'd always say the only thing i'm nervous about is the fact that i'm not more nervous i you know i feel like i should be scared and i wasn't and it, but i think we all dealt with it differently where we all needed to have a confidant or a talking point and I remember for me it was when I think in the beginning of December maybe end of November IGN you know Fran at IGN was like oh yeah you know we're hiring Max Scoville he's going to come in and do all this stuff and he's going to do beyond he'll do the up and you I was like oh great blah, blah, blah. and I walked back to my desk and sat down and, I, and Tim and me shared like a desk and I turned to Tim and I'm like hey I know I'm the guy who's been saying we're doing the right thing but I need are we doing the right thing and he's like what you mean leaving and I'm like yeah he's like yes 100% it was just that thing of like wow. Not that I thought, by any means. Don't take that to me. Me thinking that. Oh, we're gonna leave IGN and they're gonna fucking crumble. Yeah. But it was like, oh no, like wow, I've been replaced. Like that is something that's happened. And it was like, huh, that's interesting. I was more worried. Not I knew the audience would be there for us. They had already shown us how much they loved us on the first Patreon before we left, obviously. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know how much money we'd make, and I didn't want to set any expectations there. But with the numbers we had run, I, I'm sure we were fine. The thing I was more worried about or at least concerned about was the fact of, would the industry understand what we were doing? Like when I, when we left, if I reach out to PlayStation to do an interview with shoe or have someone on a live show or just have somebody come to our spare fucking bedroom, are they going to understand? Or is it that, well, fuck the, the, these guys don't matter. It was IGN. We cared about Are we going to still get review copies of games? Are people going to understand what we're doing? Will people work with us? And that was more my concern of like, how far did my reach extend outside when I don't have the IGN.com behind me and the six million YouTube subs and all that stuff? That was the concern, but literally from the first you know day one, January fifth, twenty fifteen, like everyone came out of the woodwork. Nintendo and Xbox and so many people were just like, "We've never had the chance to work with you before because of how you know what what you did at IGN and what team you're were on. We're so excited to do stuff with you now. How can we help?"
0: Did you look at something like Giant Bomb and what Jeff Gerstmann had done before when he was fired from GameSpot? And then he still did get review copies. They still got that coverage. And what you did with Kind of Funny has never really been done before. It is unique in that way. But when you were looking at inspirations, could a personality based smaller group like Giant Bomb, was that something you could relate to?
1: No, because I don't, I still think, even to right now, I don't, I don't, I don't think of myself as a big name in video games. I don't think of myself as a, famous person or an internet celebrity or whatever right like i feel when you start getting into those pissing competitions there's always someone monumentally bigger than you right Mm. and so for jeff to leave and start giant bomb i think it's interesting to look back at it at the time right where it was that jeff gersman was in my mind outside of like Dan Shu, probably and that's different just because i was a fan of egm jeff gersman was the first time i remember being like Whoa, like a name of a video game reviewer matters yeah. when he got when he got fired from GameSpot, right? That was a big deal. And suddenly we were all using his name, talking about him in the IGN office, which like didn't happen at the time. We were, you know, it's a much different time back then. And so when he starts Giant Bomb, I don't think of it as a personality driven thing because it was at first very much. They're writing reviews and they're doing this thing and it's personality driven, but it's not so out of left field. It's not very different at the time at the start from what they were doing before at GameSpot and he had all this juice, right? He had all this hype from, you know, being fired over bullshit reasons at GameSpot and yeah. getting to be in the news and having this. I remember like when there was like, you know, Penny Arcade art- articles, yeah, Penny Arcade or, uh, comics. Uh, co- comics about him. It was like, holy shit, that was so bizarre because at the time, like and this isn't me putting it down, but at the time, I mean, what I love doing is uh, I was reviewing video games and the people on psp.ign.com maybe knew who I was. Definitely, if you're on the boards, you knew who I was. If you listen beyond, maybe you knew who I was. But, like, it was weird to think of yourselves as somebody who would get recognized or as person. We didn't think of ourselves as personalities. I was very much an editor. I remember finishing Game Scoops, and me and Damon would walk out of the room and be like, that was so much fun. And like, you go out for beers and be like, man, imagine if that's all we did. You know what I mean? But no yeah. one valued it that way, and nobody saw this coming that that could be what you did. So like the industry changed so dramatically from when I started in 2007.
0: Well, and you're right, where everyone back then I and I know me, I would read a GameSpot review and I wouldn't think of Kevin Van Ord. I would just think oh this right. is a ga- GameSpot thought this was an 8. Or IGN, IGN, thought IGN this was a six. gave this
1: a 9. IGN uh, GameSpot gave this I remember reading I was on the, you know, I, I grew up wanting to do this, right? And I knew EGM's reviewers because of that front page of the Review Crew which i thought yes. was so brilliant every every issue of here's dan here's crispin here's what they're playing here's jennifer this is what she likes these are her top five games at the moment so then when i read the review i already had a baseline for who it was but yeah with ign in my high school computer lab when i jump in there it was like blow past that it's a jeremy dunham article or whatever i just want to know what you think of this wrestling thing and i know you guys are good with the wrestling games
0: Oh, totally. And Game Informer had kind of those intros and still does at the start where you get an idea of what this person likes. You'd start to get to those editors and they'd been there for so long. So you're used to them. But yeah, even when I was writing for GameSpot and IGN, I remember getting the like, oh, well, GameSpot thinks this is better than this. And in my head, like, wait, I reviewed this and this other freelancer reviewed this. You can't compare these. And it's a healthy change now because Austin Walker is the one I point to more often than not where I'm like, I don't think of it as like a Waypoint article. Like I want to hear Austin's opinion on this thing and it's been one of the most like the personality driven side of this has been one of the most healthy changes and oh even yeah. in the three years since you started kind of funny like things have changed drastically in games oh my media God, yeah, totally. youtube twitch everything like that and I keep saying three years, and its I really feel like you guys just had that announcement. It's, it's its so bizarre to think it's already been that much time. But
1: There are those days where it feels like it was yesterday and days where it feels like it was a decade ago. <laughs> Ten
0: years ago, yeah. Like, kind of funny. It's been around forever. Uh, if you could go back and give 2015 Greg Miller one piece of advice or just a heads up as you're leaving or as he's leaving IGN and about to start kind of funny, is there anything that sticks out now that you wish you would have known back then, or are you happy with the way everything's been?
1: I'm definitely happy with the way everything's been. I'm very much a believer. Like, you know I mean? I wear like, you know, my divorce and breakups or whatever on my sleeve in terms of like everything into my choices and all these different things that everything I did got me to where I needed to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I won't ever change anything cause I'm so happy with who I am and where I am. Um, I mean the advice that jumps out right is that Fran was right. And what that means is when we were leaving and getting ready to leave, I remember talking to Fran at IGN and him being like, uh, yeah, you know, no, you know, wish you guys luck and all this other stuff. He's like, you know, I'd love to eventually get to the point where we have IGN guys come by the show. And I'm like, oh, dude, we, sh- we can do that right away. I'd love to come back and do a- I didn't get to do a final game scoop ever, right? And I was like, I'd love to come back and do game scoop. And Dan was like, or uh, Fran was like, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And I remember being like, what are you talking about? No, it's not. And then we left and it was like, oh, no, like we just ended. We just broke up. We just yep. had a breakup, and even though it's like it is business, it is that it, it was the thing of the way we acted, and the in the way IGN would act, and the way someone would say it was totally like dealing with an ex, where somebody would say something on a podcast, and then it would ripple back to us, and we'd get or vice versa, and it was so much emotion and feeling wrapped up in it in a way that I should have understand, you know, or should have understood, you know. I I I, you know, I always say that I was lucky enough to be one of the faces and by, probably by the end the face of IGN right or at least one of them yep. and I remember I definitely in the office was the flag waving I am IGN I'm making my own IGN shirts. like I would vet people who came in wanting to work for IGN and it was I was very protective of the site and so when people left IGN when people talk shit about IGN I, I had a list on my phone of like never work with these people they said this this is what you know what I mean and so like that well, you, know, you then get in. You grow up a bit and you realize how relationships work and the push and the pull and the good and the bad and how emotions come into it. And I don't think I by the time I'm starting this company, we're getting ready to leave. All these million things are happening. I'm not really worried about how IGN is going to react to something I say over here or do over here based on, you know, the fact that I have other things going on and I'm just not paying attention to that. And also, they are my ex. Do I owe them anything? I don't know. But, you know, it's that weird yeah. thing of like, I, I don't think we ever, I don't think we were ever like, fuck IGN. We were all very clear, like, IGN gave us everything. Like, this doesn't work without IGN. I'm not anything without IGN. But even then, it was still just like interpersonal relationships and the way we handled things and the way we talked or let people talk about us kind of thing. It just, it. I wasn't I wasn't fully ready for it to be the breakup it was and you know that it took like a year and a half for things to like settle down and us to be like oh no, okay now it's a hundred percent cool now you can now yeah. anybody can say anything about either one of us and we all are back to being like oh it's cool we're friends it's whatever and like Brian was just on Gamescast and Goldfarb has been on and da 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 you know what I mean like it was all these different things of just like what it's like to get out of an eight year relationship and then not you know not immediately do it was it was just weird it was a weird thing of I never thought about. I was in this relationship with the company, which then was with the people and then me leaving those people still being behind that brand and me having a new brand and all these different things.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good that you are at a point now. It seems like you're you're good to kind of go back and forth. Like you can go there. The oh, yeah, your place. and that's you're been a while to now
1: too. And even, you know, even at the time, like you figure we left and then Colin and I still did beyond for a few more weeks and I still did up at noon for a few more months. It wasn't like I was going in there and we were shouting at each other or something like that, but it was like, <laughs> the scuttlebutt you hear if somebody makes a joke about kind of funny in an IGN meeting and it was somebody that I'm like I respected them and they were my it's like well I think about the times around here that I'll make a joke about IGN that isn't me going for the jugular right <coughs> yeah taken out of context of you hanging out and also trying to bolster everybody's like love of a company I totally get it but at the time it was just a weird back and forth
0: did it feel weird doing some of those GameSpot like e3 stage shows like to be able to work with them was that kind of surreal
1: it was surreal the first time when we got there, and we had uh, well two things. When we got there, and my E3 badge said GameSpot, and then <laughs> yeah, when we got there, and there was kind of funny logos and branding and text, you know, text on the E3 show floor on the corner facing PlayStation and Nintendo. Where it was just like, how the fuck did we just get here in six months? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It, when we launched, we're like, are we even going to be able to afford to go to E3? Are we doing this? And suddenly we're hosting an all day live show with Shuhei from the floor and Cisco's there. And it's like, what the hell is happening?
0: That's the Cisco part's really the craziest part of that entire
1: set. Yeah. No, no. Cisco is, uh, It's I, 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 the story I always tell is from kind of funny life to. Where we did kind of funny live too, and it was an amazing show, and all this awesome stuff happened. And we, you know, we did the back, the, we dressed as the aerobics people and came out and did this, and there was all these entrances and yada yada yada. And of course, Cisco came out and did thong song for the lip sync thing with Tim, and then sang the Pokemon song, and then it was just a crazy, amazing night. All this awesome shit happened, and I was so excited to get home and read through Twitter to catch up on everyone's reactions to the, we had new shows we were announcing, new initiatives. I wanted to see photos, blah blah. blah. And when I got there and I sat down and I opened Twitter and I opened a beer and I scrolled back, it was all about Cisco singing the Pokemon song. (laughs) And I was like, oh, right. Like, and there was like videos of like Dan Riker freaking out about it. And like Andrew Renee, who's like, what the, why is Cisco here? It was that thing of like, oh, right. Like it's weird to normal people that like Cisco and I text about monster hunter like that. You know what I mean? Like I just totally think of him as he was texting me about going to Portillo's. He took a photo with my photo Portillo's in Minnesota. Like, I just totally am like, oh, it's Cisco. It's just, you know, it's, it'd be like Kevin texting me and it's like, oh, right. That's crazy for other people who haven't been hanging out or talking to Cisco for so many years.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, too. If you suddenly like woke up after a 10-year coma and you saw that, you'd be like, oh, yeah. what what has happened? Everything a has hundred, changed. Yeah. I don't understand yeah, yeah. anything about life anymore. Um, yeah, that was, I think per- when I
1: just did, I just did a Game Over Greggy show with him, right, where I pitched the Superman comic and I talked to him about it. And some kid wrote in, he's like, can you imagine... <laughs> when you're at home watching TRL, watching the Thong song, if you were like, I'm going to be on a show in front of thousands of people talking to him totally casually about your superman pitch i'm like that is a weird thing life's weird
0: life's super weird i had i've told this on this podcast before i had this weird moment when i was doing the adam sessler podcast with him and i remember him just like turning on his skype camera and i'm staring at adam sessler in his home mm-hmm. and i'm like mm-hmm. life got weird at one point where suddenly if you told like high school josiah that older josiah would be talking to adam sessler on skype and like nah i don't believe you for a second so there's a I lot of s- weird turns in this industry i uh, still
1: freak out and flutter every time i talk to dan shu yeah, Every time I talk to Shu I freak I freak out a little bit inside.
0: That is one of the most difficult things to explain to people who are outside of my immediate gaming friend circle, where I'm trying to explain, like, oh, I got to talk to this again, like Jeff Gersman or Vinny Caravella, like these oh, people yeah. who have been my heroes for the longest time, and they're like, to me, those are celebrities. Those are more yep. important than the regular celebrities that you see out, like. But to them, they're like, I've never heard of this person. You want to be able to explain that and express yeah. it and be like, no, this is like super cool for me, and they're like, sure, dude. Like, I have no idea who that is. No,
1: it was the same way. i a couple, um, two years ago, three years ago, whatever, I went home and I was catching up with some. I hadn't seen in a while and they were like oh and you do all these live shows I'm like yeah well. and they asked the question who's the most famous person you've ever interviewed oh god and I was like I've never thought about it And I, so I started listening like well Ken Levine made Bioshock and he came through and Cliff Wazinski and then I was like well you know Chris Jericho came by and you could I, I could kind of see me losing them and I was like alright cool and then I like stopped and I was like Oh, well, I guess at Comic Con, I've interviewed the entire cast of Avengers and Sammy. They're like, "Why?" Like, it's like, yeah, there you go. I that's don't think <laughs> that's not where I jump to, right? I jump to what's the most meaningful thing and who who are the most meaningful people I've talked to, not the, you know, 10 minutes I had in between 15 other things. Yeah.
0: It, you, that's always the person I was like, I talked to Lisa Foyles, who was on all that. And they're like, oh, I know that show. I'm like, oh, yeah, but all these other rad people, you know, they just yeah. don't get it. Um, this is probably a way too difficult and broad question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you manage producing daily content with running the business side of kind of funny, because you're planning live shows, you're booking guests, you're thinking up new project ideas, you're finding ways to build a Patreon and thinking of ways to expand the business overall. I mean, how do you break all that stuff down while being a husband, while being a dog father and without working 80 <laughs> hours a week?
1: Uh, I mean the lame answer is teamwork. Yeah. I think from the very beginning, when we left, we all had very specific things we needed to do and get done. And so when it was just four of us that worked fine and then you bring in Kevin and Kevin being the amazing human being Kevin is will of course jump on any grenade needed. So like when I'm in the room crying at the old place about Twitch, he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And now I see him not cry because he's a big tough man, but he'd be in there and be <laughs> like, room, I can't right? fucking he's believe screaming. Oh yeah, he just walked in to eat a tag along, but I would have said it, okay. without it. Um, it's all about breaking it down and knowing who does what and how it works. Uh, Uh, when I left the biggest thing I had to get used to was not answering email where and saying, no, I, at IGN, I was always very much the, yeah, we can make that work. We're IGN you want to show your indie game. You want to come through and do this. We'll get you capture bay. We'll get you on something. Come on through. We'll make it work. And eventually, and I used to, you know, pride myself on being able to close out my inbox every night. And then when we started this, there was just no way to do that. And so it had to be that like, all right, cool. I'm going to be bad at this, but everybody understands to an extent, Uh, you know, business wise in terms of breaking it all up we just have such different responsibilities where tim is the hey i'm gonna go work with our you know mcn about what ads are going where i'm gonna get i'm gonna get our own sponsorships doing this i'm gonna plan these live events i'm gonna make sure everything's paid for on that front meanwhile nick is hey i'm gonna go do the accounting and i'm gonna talk to the lawyer i'm gonna do this i'm the pr arm of hey come to me with your games i'll figure out what works for us i'll plan the e3 live shows i'll do all of that and then on top of that, you know, it's uh, all of us are on camera personalities. We all ha- all have our own shows. Now Nick runs the morning show. I run kind of Funny Dame- Games Daily. Tim runs uh, the the Games Cast. Then of course we bring in Joey. We bring in Cool Greg. We bring in Andy, who all take some of the responsibilities we had. Right where like Tim had to worry about merch before, and now Joey really does that. And yeah. Colin had done social media for so long. And now Joey does that. And like we're able to get bits and pieces off of it. The most interesting thing I feel about like the daily content is that when it was Colin Greg live when it was just the kind of funny morning show in the mornings. I feel like we were way more off track all the time with our time. We played it way faster way looser even though technically that show took up less time than the morning show and games daily put together, but now that games daily happens daily and it's structured the way it is my mornings and afternoons for that matter are way more structured and planned out even though they're incredibly tight where it is cool morning sh- while nick and tim or whoever's doing the morning show i'm gathering the stuff for kind of funny games daily checking in with Witta, checking in with andrew when they get here doing all these different things then go off do games daily then come back do the thumbnails eat lunch and then usually do a podcast if there is one whether it's you know mcu interview, review whether it is games cast whether it is gog it's this weird thing of adding this daily show that I originally when Tim pitched it, I was like that's going to kill us like we can't <laughs> we cannot add another live component, especially if we're, we, we wanted to do it like a beyond or PS. I love you where it was like there's going to be segments. You're going to know what you're getting into. It's about the news of the day and it was man. How the fuck are we going to do that? And because remember Colin was gone when we came up with the idea for the show. So it was how are we going to do that? You and me like I'm like you and me cannot do five days a week daily on that show and morning show because it's what it's Nick and us and then at the time you know we were like we didn't know how we wanted to use Andy. We weren't sure how people would uh, react to Andy being here. We didn't want to mm. throw him in too deep and all the stuff and then it was the idea of well. What if we brought in contractors? What if we worked with Danny and Andrea and actually paid them a wage and did that and that was really eye opening and changed things for us. So there's way more going on here, but the fact that it's all locked into places and times actually makes the days way more manageable. If that makes sense, like usually for the most part, we are done here at five 30, like Kevin and cool. Greg have to stay here forever and edit and upload and deal with our shitty internet and whatever else goes wrong. But for the most part, we are all able to actually keep a, a real schedule and get home. And then of course play the games we're supposed to talk about. And I'm lucky and blessed to have a amazing understanding wife who's awesome and is you know it, 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 I sold on two TVs in the living room so I can play and she can play or watch a movie <laughs> or whatever And it's just a it's all all of it's based on our passions and I guess that's why it works even though it's so much and it is so crazy it is the idea that uh, yeah, you know, I want to go home tonight and play Monster Hunter and then Rocco for Mega 64 touches down at 930 and is Ubering to my house to stay in our house so he can do the morning show tomorrow and game over Greg's show tomorrow. It's like if I didn't like entertaining people, if I didn't like him, if I didn't want to play the games I was going home to play, it'd be a different story. If I had to, if I, it was like it was when I was, you know, 23 working at IGN and it was, hey, you're reviewing this game. We know you don't care about the genre and you don't care about. Uh. Anything in general, right? (laughs) Not anything in general. We know you don't care about the genre. You don't care about this type of game. You know you don't like. You got to review this game because there was games I reviewed that were fine games, just not for me. So they were like pulling teeth to review. That would suck to go home and have to ignore Jen and do. But the fact that I want to go home and play a game with Kevin, that's great.
0: Even if it is mostly down to a science at this point, and like you said, it's a passion. So there's that you know the cliche about like oh it's not really work if you love what you do. Yeah. Were there moments early on and kind of funny when it was more maybe businessy and trying to structure everything where you did burn out where someone had to come up and tell you like dude you can't keep
1: doing this you need to chill. <sighs> Probably, but I think we all did that to each other. Where it would be like you know you we have to make this work. We all had a, we all have our breaking points or breaking moments. Right for me yeah. it is that time when. For some reason, Twitch wouldn't work the way I wanted it to, and I just sat there and cried. And Kevin was like, "I can do this," but it's, it you know, goes to everybody where it is. You know, Nick super ratcheted up because he's trying to do the show, but he's also trying to do figure out why we're not getting paid the way we should through our you know payment system and blah blah blah. blah. Like where you just in the early days, it was the same thing we all struggled with. You know what I mean? Like we say, you know, we're the garbage truck on fire because obviously so many things broke live and do continue to break every day, and. At first, it was like that, joking, joking, huh, huh. but now and now it's not like a catch-all, but it is. I think we're I think we're all way better about hey, this is what it is, yeah. this is this is how it's got to be today. This is you know I mean the old days it would be, you just see us all all of us ratchet 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 till we we're <laughs> ready to explode right because it is non-stop something going wrong here whether it's the let's plays and putting out the right you know uh picture it should be whether the you know i think it was what monday kevin's like oh by the way uh subs and tips are broken on obs we need to rebuild oh, that it's like oh great okay well i'll worry about that when i have time and all these different things
0: yeah i think once enough things break and it almost becomes a part of your routine you can be more chill about it and there can actually be fun parts of live streams that are absolutely broken. sure when things and go I wrong sometimes they go even more right
1: And one of the big things I think about all of it is just the fact that we've been doing it for so long now. Yeah, I think when they're, you know, we year one, even into year two in the new studio days. If something breaks and it, it just feels like everything's always broken. You haven't had enough good days to have a few bad and not have it be the worst thing in the world. It's just soul crushing. Whereas now, you know, when for the majority of time, everything goes fine and we have a good schedule and we have a good system and everything is going the way it should. That makes it easier that when, okay, cool. For some reason, we can't live stream today. The internet's garbage, so I'm gonna. I was what I I did a YouTube stream for Patreon people off of my phone of us recording the sh- like. There's so many little hoops to jump through that at that point are actually kind of comical. And you're like, oh, okay, this is fun.
0: Yeah, and because you've been doing this so long, and because you kind of encourage this best friend, almost family attitude with the people who watch you, how difficult can it be to? introduce new people into your shows and into the overall kind of funny ecosystem. When you go beyond that initial group, is there ever any pushback from the community just being like, I don't like change.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I think change is tough for everybody. Luckily, I think, I hope you, you can go to our subreddit or any of the other forums and find out. I think we're, we, we have learned enough about how to do it and make it work where I think, you know, the, the trap we've fallen into in the past is you're a really interesting person. Come on to the game over Greggy show and tell us about yourself and your business and who you are and that's the kind of content our audience usually bristles at Mm -hmm. they like that show because that show has a feel of hey we're four best friends sitting around bullshitting not necessarily about ourselves and but when we do do about kind of funny people are into it when you bring on somebody who doesn't maybe hasn't seen the show and this is on us obviously or we bring in and we want to interview that's all well and good, but that's not the show people want. So that's the trouble we run into, right? Sometimes, of like, oh, people don't, you know, like Rocco's coming on tomorrow, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Mega 64 and probably like the parallels are kind of funny, but it doesn't need to be an hour and a half about Mega 64. At some point, yes. we need to go goof off and talk about other stuff. Like, you know, like we, me, Nick, and Tim loved the Adi Shankar episode we did, but a lot of people didn't because they were like, well, it's just about him. And that's cool that you guys think he's interesting, but that's not what this show is. And I, I like to think we've listened to that, and I like to think that if we've brought you in here to do a show, and the morning show is great for this too, if we bring you in here, it's because you are cool and because you fit in, because you are a best friend. And I think we've seen success with that, with like Danny Mac from Heel Kick or you know uh, Xavier Woods from WWE. Like people get that. Oh, okay, I don't watch wrestling or I don't know who this actor is from Vancouver, but I know that if the, he's approved by the guys, he's probably a cool person, and then they flock to support them.
0: That's one of my favorite things about this newer personality-based era where you you can go beyond games and bring in other interests, whether it be, Mm -hmm. like you said, professional wrestling, maybe certain sports. I know Nick does jujitsu and comedy and you can, because you already have that relationship with someone and when they bring in someone or if they bring that topic up that maybe the audience initially didn't care about because you care about the person, you almost hear them out in a way you wouldn't otherwise where, God, I don't care about professional wrestling, but I I have so many people who I respect and like who do that just for like the Royal Rumble the other day, I'm like, I'll... I'll give it a chance because I've heard so many people say it who I like that maybe there is something for me. And I'm guessing you have that with your audience.
1: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky enough, right, that the content we make is all about what we're passionate about. So if we're passionate enough we to bring somebody on, then usually, yeah, people give them a shot.
0: My vote is more Lauren Landing. He's been on this podcast Dude. twice and he's one of my favorite humans. Like, yeah. I. Back at E3 2013, which was the big like PS4 price announcement, I was at Michael Pachter's party and we were getting Manhattan's together. And I'm like trying to hold it in as I'm facing <laughs> Lauren Lanning because you're like, first off, his hair is incredible, and you're oh, just yeah. like, I can't stop looking at it. And he's just like one of the most charismatic, awesome dudes. Where um, the first podcast we did, I had like all these questions in mind. I think I asked two, and he just went off for like 45 minutes. And I was yep. like, I'm never stopping him because every word is just, just a blessing. It's incredible. Yeah. So really, that's my main suggestion
1: no i love lauren you know that and like that's the thing yeah he's been on i think way more gogs than he has Gamecasts or anything like that because he's just like dude you're the most fascinating person in the world just <laughs> talk to us yeah talk to us about burning man tell us what it's all about
0: it's so he he could be the next most most interesting man in the world like 100%. that's really what he was born to be he probably was already we just don't know it uh Something I talk so much about games media on this podcast as someone who used to do it and who's really enjoyed it over the years and the, 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 the game spots, the IGN, the Giant Bomb, the everything. Uh, kind of funny is in this middle ground between games media and enthusiasts where you're not being held to the same high journalistic standards that you would for most like game informers or anything like that. But I don't see you as one of these YouTube channels that would do a Skyrim promotion right before they do a critical piece about Skyrim. Like there's, you're, you're in this middle ground, but where is your personal comfort zone when it comes to game coverage? Because we both know pure objectivity is a myth when it comes to games, media and reviews, but do you still have a bit of that IGN mindset when covering games? Is it still kind of ingrained in you?
1: The ethics are for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the fact that, yeah, like I, I, I pride ourselves on when we launched that first day on January 5th, we started that live stream it was all four of us at the table, I think. And somebody put in the chat like, well, what's your ethics policy? And we all looked at each other and we're just like, oh, we've never actually thought about it, but like, you'll just know everything. Like, we're not gonna tell you how much money we're making off a sponsorship, but if something sponsored, we'll tell you. And I still, I still get not upset, but I still take. Dr- dr- drastic offense when somebody's like when i just tweet that i like something and somebody's like oh, hashtag sponsored it's like motherfucker you know i would tell you if it was sponsored yep. and i but i totally get the day and age we live in that might not be somebody who consumes our content yada yada yada. um yeah we boggle the minds of a lot of different uh publishers in terms <laughs> of how to classify us and what to do and like the you know companies that have introduced me to their PR team and then to their influencer team and then switch me back and forth over and over again like it's something that's falling away that 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 uh, delineation and I feel like it's been fascinating like even in the three years we've been doing this to watch it grow where I remember the first time we were ever going to capture something at Ubisoft or going to play something Ubisoft I'm like can we do a let's play on the spot and they're like I don't know and they hit me back like yeah okay we brought our you know Aver capture kit and like the uh, fucking cameras and this setup. And then now you go there and every time you go to play a Ubisoft game, right? It's already got the webcam, it's already got the uh hyperdeck right there. Or not hyperdeck, uh you know what I'm talking about. The little yeah. capture device to capture your footage. Like it's all at most, that's the Shogun. It's all right there, ready for you to go and make your stuff on the spot. That like people have wrapped their head around that. That's where this industry is right now, and that's how people want to, for the most part, talk about or consume or see content or make content at least. So yeah, we still. I still carry that ethics policy, super, and that's probably the journalism degree in me too, super close to my heart. Of like, yep, if we do something, we're going to tell you about it, and you know, if uh, I'm going to review a game, and like, you know, like when I'm when Tim's going to review Final Fantasy, we're going to remind you that we did host his Final Fantasy event, so you can take those a grain of salt if you want to. But it's also the fact that like you're talking about, our audience knows us so well that mm-hmm. they wouldn't give us the time, the support, and the energy they give us if they didn't trust us, if they didn't know they could trust us. But every video we put out is somebody's first kind of funny video, so it needs to be said over and over again.
0: You just mentioned your journalism degree, and that's something I want to touch on too, because I have one, and I know a lot of people who are in games media have one, but because, like you said, there's the lines are blurring between streamers, YouTubers, games media. There's a lot of people at major games media sites who do all of that, and they also podcast, and they're all over the place. Do you think for this job a journalism degree still matters because we both get the question all the time about how do i do this for a living and do i need to go to school for it do you think that is the best base for something like this or at this point is it almost more important to have that media that almost broadcast background so you can be sort of that renaissance person
1: i think it matters i think it's a great foundation I don't think it's anybody's Achilles' heel if they have it or don't have it. I I think you could go in, yeah, and get a communications degree, a broad, broadcast degree, and find it there. And then how many people do we know that are amazing at this and do all this stuff and have none of those? Have you know a, a, a degree in art? Like yep. they they exist, and it's because this it, it it the the spectrum is so broad now. Right? For me, it was hey, I want to work at EGM one day. EGM is a magazine. I need to get a degree in journalism. I need to be able to write for a magazine. I got my degree in magazine journalism based on that because at the time, that's all there was. Whereas now, like you're saying, right? Yeah, there's YouTube and there's podcasts and there's Twitch and there's so many different aspects to it that it no longer falls neatly under one umbrella of how to do this, let alone the fact that if you want to do Twitch, if you want to do let's play, you might never ever ever do a review or yeah. even write an opinion piece. So what does the journalism degree get you? I think anything you're doing what graduating with any degree really shows you can accomplish something and shows you how to budget time and hit a deadline and make things happen. And so I really think you have to look at what you want to do and then work backwards of how to get there. That's what I did with the journalism degree right where it was. I had that issue game pro in the fourth grade and I was like I want to do this mom and it was like all right cool that's journalism but uh, that it's magazines let's start you on the school papers and eventually get you to here to do this blah. blah, blah. I think it's the same thing here where if you want to just be a twitch streamer and you want to be the best one maybe you go do improv you know what I mean yeah. maybe you just get up and do stand-up comedy like uh, uh, Nick does because there is a, such a huge part of it where to do this podcast right now like you and I are doing to do twitch to do at the morning show to do games daily. So much of that is instinct at this point, right? I remember my first game scoops when I didn't I could I was just terrified of breathing into the microphone because I was yeah. afraid I was going to ruin the podcast. so I didn't talk or I would just get out there, and even though I, I, you know, as many people will point out on the internet and probably in the comments or you know your show mail about the fact that I have so many little catches like I just did, the fact that I say these little catchphrases over and over again while <laughs> my wheel spins to get me going into the thought I'm trying to get to—it's to,
0: impossible to avoid those no matter how still, long you go.
1: Exactly, because like it's just an it's a it's a more pleasant way of going um or or like there's like, so many different things people get caught on. I remember when Clement started on beyond the kids were just r- ruthless because he said like all the time and it's well. Yeah, like th- this is how it works at the time where cool. You're here to write about games. Get in there and talk. We don't know. I don't, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Nobody knows how we're making any of this shit happen. So get in there like whereas now there's so many training courses interview opportunities like so many different things to get you going that it's in a it's t- entirely different ball game from where I started. So I would say if you want to do what we do, of course, I say already you should be doing it. It's very much you should be doing it right now. You should have your own YouTube channel, your own podcast, and you shouldn't care about how many subs you get necessarily, how many views you get. You should care about working through all the garbage you're going to have to work through to get to a point to where we are now, because that was my biggest thing of, you know, when we were getting ready to leave IGN, we were still going through and doing the interviews for people they were trying to hire. And so they would do these like SWAT team interviews where there'd be like eight people in one candidate. And then that candidate oh would leave God. and they'd shut the door and we'd all start talking about what we thought of them. Would they fit here? Blah, blah, blah. And people would just, oh, well, he said this or he didn't know that. Or, he didn't know what this for. And it was just like. It's a different industry for sure, and you're talking about working at IGN, which is the top of the pyramid, but I would always stop people and remind them like I understand all that. Remember, I wouldn't work here if that's how the interviews worked, if that's what we judged people on because I came in and like it was a different time. You know what I mean? I knew how to write. I didn't know how to be on a video. I didn't know how to do podcast. I didn't know this. I didn't. I you know, I'm Craig Harris used to always give me such a hard time when I'd come back from. Preview events because I'd come back in and he's like, "What'd you see?" I'm like, "Oh, it's this game. It was awesome, and this happened." Why? Wow. He's like, "Great. Who developed it?" I'm like, "Uh," and I looked through my notes. I'm like, "I don't know. I didn't write it down." Or I, it's these people. What did they work on before? I don't know. And he's like, "You need to know this," <laughs> but you think about it back. You know, in 2007, is this is all just like a budding industry that we're like really we're just getting to the people who founded it all are burning out in terms of like IGN or EGM or something like that, and it was like. You didn't know what you're getting into. There's no playbook. Nobody taught you. how There's no courses on any of this. You had to get in there and learn by falling down. Whereas now that is not uh, a, uh, an opportunity afforded to many. You don't get to start at IGN usually and not already have made your mistakes somewhere else. And that's why I always tell people to start sh- channels and whatever you want to do do because it's not about making hopefully it'd be awesome if you get three million subs on your YouTube channel, but it's more about you getting in there and working out the garbage so you can talk into a camera and not worry about anything, but making your point and coming across and smiling and doing all the little things that are second nature for me now. But if you, you know, brought 2007 me in here like, all right, cool, you're on this weird podcast where you got to talk about <laughs> maybe if you're going to fuck this goat or also if you like this Superman movie, but go for it. like, I wouldn't know what the hell's going on. I wouldn't be able to do that. It's crazy because,
0: like you mentioned, there was kind of – when I was in high school and probably when you were in high school or even earlier than that, there was kind of a playbook. It was, okay, I see these Game Informers or EGM or Game Pro or whatever. I want to do that. So your first thought, like you mentioned, is, okay, journalism. So you go to college for – journalism, where you go t- take as many writing classes as you can in high school, you go to college for some sort of journalism, and then you keep writing, you keep writing at small blogs or sites where you're getting paid by, you know, like, oh, well, hopefully you'll get noticed eventually. And you yeah. work through those issues, you become a better writer, and then you fail on the job once you get hired somewhere, because you have to learn that way. But now, like you said, there's a blueprint out there, but you need to know so many different things. Like when someone asked me directly, like, what did you do? I'm like, well, what I did kind of works now but it it does not it's a good base but it doesn't fully apply like I didn't have to deal with podcasts I didn't have to be comfortable on video at that point I didn't have to remove as many likes as I could from my speech so that I didn't sound like you know I had no idea what I was doing when I first started on the job so it's it's so it's clear now the steps to help you get there not to guarantee a job but like you said what you need to do is Get that YouTube channel. If you have seven views, who cares? You need to just yeah. show that you're doing it and get better and better and better. And eventually, I would like to believe quality rises and you still find those people. You still find the subs because they see that what you're doing is worthwhile or different or unique. But it's hard now because you do have to be a much more polished version of yourself by the time you get to a GameSpot an IGN, a Game Informer. But you also need to know 30 other things compared to what you need to know when you just needed to be a writer.
1: Well, yeah, you're 100% correct and that's you know for me the story I always talk about with getting hired at IGN in the short version too long didn't read of course is be doing it every day and now I say do it every day with whatever you want to do whether it's twitch you know YouTube blah 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 but for me at the time it was writing and you know I get hired at IGN in 2007 and when I get there or when I get the job or I look back through my Gmail that I started when I graduated college in 2005. And this was my 13th application to IGN in in a year and a half, let alone the ones I would have filed when I was, you know, at Mizzou or whatever on a different email account. And so when I get there and I've signed the letters and I have my desk and Chris Roper is done giving me the tour, he goes, all right, so any other questions? And I go, yeah, like with no disrespect, but what took so long? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is my 13th attempt. The first 12, you didn't even respond to me. I didn't even get a courtesy of no. We don't want anything or keep up your chin up thing. I got no response. The 13th one you guys contacted me interviewed me and hired me within 24 hours like overnight. My life changed and all my dreams came true. I was ready to do this a year and a half ago like what changed and he was like you proved you could do it. You, you know for me what had happened is I knew I always wanted to do this. I knew I always wanted to write about games, but I wasn't just writing for fun about games. I wasn't doing reviews and it wasn't until I mean, I would do them for assignments here and there. I had a one up blog and all that jazz, but even that it was like when I felt like it. I wasn't motivating myself to do it every day and what changed is that I got you know a job at the local newspaper in Columbia. I worked there for a year and then I convinced them to give me a weekly column on video games and a blog on uh, on their online dot com and they were like sure whatever and they didn't know, but when they did that my job changed my job went from being a general assignment to a reporter to being I'm the re- the video game reporter for the Columbia Daily Tribune and they didn't know that but that I was like I'm I'm blogging every day I have a column every week and so it was that it, Chris was right you know you proved you could do it like they read all that stuff they saw I had a voice they saw I could talk about a myriad of different things they saw that I knew the video game industry and that's what spoke to them rather than a cover letter and three clips that had been spaced out, you know, six months here, nine months there, three months here. It was the fact that here is evidence every day I can write. Here's evidence that every week I can write in a very different fashion. And that's what they needed. And that's what you need to do now. You need to be podcasting. You need to be doing YouTube. You need to be doing Twitch just to show you can do it. And while that sounds like a lot, and it is, that's a really good thing because It separates the wheat from the chaff, right? Like yeah. it shows who has this in them to do this. I meet kids all the time who say they want to do this, or you know, I, I always talk about like my, one of the first meet and greets I ever did at Portillo's when I went back to Chicago after working at IGN for a while. I we were driving there, my mom and her husband were driving me over to this meet and greet for you know my fans in quotes, but I think we just just made like the Beyond t shirt, so this is like early days, right? That'd be Beyond 150 and uh driving there, and it you know. In the end, I think it would be like 20 or 30 people came out to the suburban Chicago meet and greet. And on the way there on Twitter, this kid tweeted like, hey, me and my girlfriend are already here. And uh, do you want us to do anything? And I was like, yeah, if you can push together tables and he pushed the other tables. Like, oh, that's great. And I got there and met all these people, met him. And this is, you know, again, back in the early days when there weren't any people, at these meet and greets. So I could talk to everybody actually yeah. give you actually give you time. And I was talking to this the kid who pushed the other tables, and he's like, yeah, man, we're kind of tired. I'm like, oh, really, why? And he's like, oh, well, we drove from Iowa to be here. And I'm like, wow, well, isn't, isn't it like a five, six-hour drive? He's like, yeah, you know, but we want to do it. I've never had a chance to meet you. And he's like, I really want to do this. And he talked to me about games. He did all this stuff. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, oh, this kid's going to make it. This yeah. kid's totally going to do it. And his name was Brian Albert, and he got hired at IGN. And not only did he get hired at IGN, uh, one of – When Casey Lynch was my boss at IGN, he went and spoke at a class at the University of Iowa, and it was about video game writing or reviews or something. And he came back, and he's like, yeah, there's this kid there I met. And I'm like, is it Brian Albert? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's my fine. You don't get to have credit for that. No, he's going he's gonna to make this happen. This dream is going to come true. And it's because you meet these people and they have it in them and they have a voice and they know what they're doing and they're already doing it. And you also go the other way where you meet people and I'm like, awesome. What's your podcast? What's this? Oh, I'm not doing it yet. Me and my friends are waiting for better equipment or it's just been so busy and it. it's like, well, then if you don't, have this passion. If you don't want, if you don't wake up and need to do this stuff and need to push through the fact that no one's reading or watching or whatever, then it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you need the mix of passion, but also that that drive. And if you, I've had a lot of people who are in college be like, "All right, I'm going to graduate next year. Like, how do I get the job?" I'm like, "All right, well, like, how many articles do you have ready? Who have you written for? What's your podcast? Like you said, what's your YouTube channel?" Like, well, I want to start doing that maybe after college. I'm busy right now with school work, and I get that it's hard to balance all that stuff. But I'm like, you're so far behind. Like, just being honest, like you're not. You have so far to go before you can really prove to these people that you can do this you can do yeah. this consistently you can do this well and you can take that next step and keep improving and you you know, it's almost good to have that library of videos to show like, hey, look at where I was at the start versus where I am now. Like I yeah. have this this evidence that I can get better. And we've talked about passion a lot throughout this entire podcast. And I mean, you've been in games doing different types of coverage, but coverage for a long time. And I've always noticed no matter what you do, the passion's never waned. It's always there for everything you do from the live shows to um, just any of the videos, any of the podcasts. Even as someone who's been on the biggest stages and talked to the biggest developers, do you still have daily or weekly holy shit, I can't believe that just happened moments. is this has this ever become normal or are there still a lot of surprises?
1: There are a lot of surprises, uh, but I would say there's a normalcy to it in nowadays, where I think it's more rare, like right? If this is work and it's coming back to work and it's doing all these different things. I have a ball at work every day. I get to work with my best friends. I, I love everything we do. But it's, you know, like, when we have that moment at like the kind of funny Christmas dinner every year, we actually get to look take a breath and look back at like holy shit. Think about everything we've done this year, what we what we just did. Like it, I always talk about it since we started the company and you know went out on our own, every time every day I open my email, there is at least one email that I can't believe we're getting. Whether yeah. it be an opportunity, whether it be a trip, whether it be, you know, a game even. It's crazy to think about, it. it, it when that all becomes so normal, it's usually when you go talk to somebody else that there's like, oh right, wait, this isn't normal for everybody, and that's different. Like, you know, I, I, like for me, it's like the stupid stuff of like, you know, growing up, idolizing Hideo Kojima, right, in Metal Gear, and then the fact that we're just like cool, fr- we're just cool friends now. You know what I mean? Of like, <laughs> yeah. when I went and interviewed him in Sydney or whatever, or when I hosted the panel with him in Sydney, and like we were walking around, I was like, oh, you want to come, t- come take this photo with me, come do this, and he's like, down, or like, right. When I was going on the PSX stage this year to interview Sean Layden, he had just come off. And like we hugged and caught up for a second. And then I'm like, all right, see you later. He's like, all right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like second nature now. And that's weird to think about, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's well, especially weird.
0: when you're coming up, you're so often climbing to get to that point. You're always looking up to these people. And the second right. you're on eye level, you're like, wait, how did this happen?
1: Yeah yeah exactly exactly
0: last thing is there anyone you just mentioned hideo kojima and john Layden, all these different people is there anyone out there who's either a developer or a youtuber or a podcaster, or whatever who you haven't talked to in games or otherwise who you'd really want to bring on to kind of funny or even just talk to them in general is there kind of a bucket list person at the top who you haven't talked to yet
1: i mean sure there's a bunch probably and i think i branch out from games pretty quick right because i'm lucky enough that I think with not sound like an asshole, but I think everybody's within reach here, right? Like I have the contacts yeah. or the profile. But I've always wanted to work with The Rock. You know what I mean? Like I feel <laughs> he gave me the intro video, kind of funny live three. We've tweeted here and there. I would. I was love gonna say to I think do. that
0: might be in reach now because of that.
1: Yeah, I mean we'll see. He's the you know so fucking busy all the time. But I would love to actually sit down and have like a a gog with him and talk to him. Uh, as a fan that grew up with him, this is like the one I I think will never happen. But I'd love Bill Murray like just to talk to Bill Murray, right? Like I'm such a fan of his entire catalog of like, that would be rad. I love Tom Hanks. Like it's like you get out. It's just that thing where you're always, I think looking outside of what is now normal. Right. And the fact that like, you know, I, I think about this all the time of like, like I, I know Jim Lee, you know, what I mean like I like I would yeah. I, Greg Miller reading wizard magazine in nineteen ninety eight <laughs> would lose his goddamn mind and that like, oh, I can just talk to Jim Lee whenever I want to or whatever, but it's like that's so normal now that like even comics is there like oh Jeff Johns. No big deal. I can talk to him if I want to and so and then you get into video games right and it's I mean yeah, I, I, these people are I've tricked them all. They see me as a peer. <laughs> when I when I don't even make anything <laughs> they're the one making games and doing cool shit but for some this reason Neil Druckmann ruse. listens to me every day yeah exactly I, I dupe the whole world it's great good so yeah I, I get outside of uh, my, my usual wheelhouse pretty quick when I talk about like people that I think are bucket list people to talk to
0: life's fucking weird it's, Very. it's so strange how this stuff happens uh, Greg where can people find you on Twitter and what are you working on for kind of funny right now and in 2018 that you could talk
1: about Sure. You can find me on Twitter, of course, at GameOverGreggy, G-R-E-G-G-Y. Uh, you can find me at Kind of Funny at Kind of dot com. Uh, we are killing it right now. I cannot believe the reception the MCU and review show is getting. Basically, if you've not been keeping up with us or don't know who we are or just aren't even paying attention to anything, uh, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War is coming up. And if you would have started watching a Marvel a MCU movie a week in the beginning of January, you'll time it out to end right before Infinity War. So we're doing that as like a book club where every week we watch whatever one we're supposed to then do a podcast YouTube video about it and we did it as one of our passion projects and didn't expect it to like really take off and like views are great downloads are great people are doing it. We're having this shared conversation that I'm super excited about um, in February. We we're launching the PlayStation VR show. I went to PSX uh, into obviously in December and it was I think the end cap to a slow build of like man. PSVR has got a lot of stuff in the pipe that's actually really really cool and so came back from that pretty energized about the platform again So I've picked eight games that I think a lot of people have missed since launch And I'm gonna do a, a new kind of let's play interview show with the guys here about that that launches in February We're stoked about that also launching in February is a first for us We're doing a patreon exclusive show on patreon.com slash kind of funny and there's a games version But for kind of funny, it's a greg's comic book club. I'm a big comic book fan and we've struggled at a way to integrate that into kind of funny content in a way that isn't boring or not what certain people want. Obviously, in the morning show, it's tough if you're not there about comics. And so we're doing a monthly Patreon exclusive show for people at the dollar level. So basically, if you gave us any support at all, that uh, will be me discussing comics. There's required reading. I'll be cashing you up. I'm trying to write a comic this year on what my progress is talking to a co-host about what they've been reading, what I've been reading, and, and another one where the support for that show's announcement I've been blown away by. Well, great.
0: Uh, Greg, thanks so much for doing this. I really dude, do appreciate thanks, you taking the no, time. No, thanks
1: for hanging in there for me. That's one of the reasons that I'm doing it is because you have been so consistent and polite <laughs> about, dude, hit me up in three months, six months, whatever. And you do it. I'm always like, no, no. And then you hopefully, said it this time and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, polite. you know what? I can do it. No, yeah, you've been I, great. You've been great. Wh-
0: when yeah. I, we just talked about bucket lists, when I first started this podcast, the three people I had in mind when I was like, if I ever get, you know, big enough or get lucky enough, it, it was always Adam Sessler, Jeff Gertzman and you. So it's nice. now that all three's happened. It's, it's crazy. So it's, it's been fun to watch your success. It's fun. It's been fun to watch kind of funny grow since the very start. Uh, I love what you guys do. And it's, thank you. there's a lot of negativity out there, which I, you know, as, as a former games reviewer, I've been there, I've been a part <laughs> of that. It's cool to see that positive force and your audience has been great too. So thanks so much. And yeah, I can't wait to see everything you guys do in 2018.
1: Thank you, dude. And congratulations for everything you've accomplished.
0: I really appreciate it. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.